Sherlock Holmes Christmas, based on the case of the Blue Carbuncle by Arthur Conan Doyle, adapted by Bart Meehan, performed by Tony Turner, Geoffrey Borney, Nicky Hunter, Nigel Palfreyman, Adam Salter, Neil McLeod and Elaine Noon, directed by Tony Turner. Sugar, lemon, cinnamon. Mm. A bit more gin, I think, Mr. Hudson. Mm. There, that's it. Just like Granny McGregor made it. I remember those Christmases well. Clear in my mind they are. Pa warming his feet in front of the open fire and Granny at the kitchen table dipping her cup into the big bowl of punch. Not again. There's been people knocking on that door all day. Carolers or the deacon asking for a shilling for the poor. I haven't had a moment's peace. Hold on! I'm coming! We both know who that'll be, don't we, Mr Hudson? He spends more time here than he does in his own home. Good afternoon, Mrs. Hudson. Did I interrupt you having a little glass of Christmas cheer? As if I had time for that. Why ever would you come out on a bitter day like this, Dr. Watson? (laughs) More like pushed out by Mrs. Watson and her sister. They're preparing for lunch tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if half of London turns up. Oh, I see. Well, I can't say I blame them. Mr Hudson was willing, but for all his efforts, he was more of a hindrance than a help in those matters. Uh, You must miss him at this time of year. I expect I miss him all year round. But there's no time for moping about when you have to look after Mr Holmes. How is he today? As normal, lounging on the sofa, surrounded by crumpled newspapers, smoking his pipe. In a world of his own, he is. I doubt he even knows it's Christmas. Well, I'll pop up and remind him, shall I? (laughs) Oh, and Merry Christmas, Mrs Hudson. And to you, Doctor. Season's greetings, Holmes. What? Uh, Oh, yes, uh, Merry Christmas. Yes, yes, all that. You're preoccupied, old chap. Perhaps I should leave you be. It's just I I thought we could share some warm... Uh, Not at all, Watson. I am glad to have a friend with whom I can discuss the case. Case? I wasn't aware that you'd been engaged by anyone to investigate any... I haven't. It is just a trivial matter. But still, it is intriguing. Do you see that old hat hanging on the back of the chair? Yes. It's seen better days. I suppose you're going to tell me it has some deadly story linked to it, eh? that it's the clue that will guide you in the solution of some mystery and the punishment of some crime. eh? No crime. (laughs) Only one of those whimsical little incidents which will happen when you have four million human beings all jostling each other within the space of a few square miles. 
You know Peterson, the commissionaire? Yes. It is to him that this trophy belongs. Oh, it's his hat. No, no. He found it. Its owner is unknown. Perhaps it's been discarded. <laughs> As I said, it has the battered look of an object ready for retirement. Hear out the story before you come to a conclusion, Watson. First, how did it come here? Well, it arrived this morning in company with a good fat goose, which is, I have no doubt, roasting at this moment in front of Peterson's fire. Goose? Look, I, I'm confused, Holmes. What does a goose have to do with the matter? Uh, that is part of the puzzle, old chap. Uh, Peterson was returning from some small jollification this morning and was, was making his way homeward down Tottenham Court Road when he saw in the gaslight a tallish man walking with a slight stagger and carrying a white goose slung over his shoulder. Yes? As he reached the corner of Good Street... A row broke out between this stranger and a little knot of roughs. One of them knocked off the man's hat, so he raised his stick to defend himself and, swinging it over his head, smashed the shop window behind him. Peterson rushed forward to protect the stranger from his assailants, but the man, shocked at having broken the window and seeing an official-looking person in uniform rushing towards him, dropped his goose took to his heels and vanished into the labyrinth of small streets which lie at the back of Tottenham Court Road. Yes? The roughs also fled at the appearance of Peterson so that he was left in possession of the field of battle and also of the spoils of victory in the shape of this battered hat and a most unimpeachable Christmas goose. Which surely he restored to their owner. Hmm? My dear fellow, there lies the problem. It is true that for Mrs. Henry Baker was printed upon a small card which was tied to the bird's left leg. And it is also true that the initials H.B. are legible upon the lining of the hat. But as there are some thousands of Bakers and some hundreds of Henry Bakers in this city of ours, it is not easy to restore lost property to any one of them. And so Peterson brought round both hat and goose to you, knowing that even the smallest problems pique your interest. Oh, really, Holmes, please tell me you're not going to spend Christmas on a matter as minor as lost property. The goose was showing signs that, in spite of the slight frost, it should be eaten without unnecessary delay. So Peterson carried it off, to fulfil its ultimate destiny, while I continue to retain the hat. Yeah, frankly, I think he received the better half of the deal. <laughs> Did he bother to put a notice in the paper, notifying the owner that his possessions had been found? He left that to me. And you've chosen investigation over advertisement? For the time being. What can you deduce from it, Watson? From this hat? Precisely. <laughs> Surely you're joking. What can be gathered from this old battered felt? See for yourself. You know my methods. Here, take my lens and see what you gather yourself about the individuality of the man who has worn this article. Well, if it'll speed the process. Mm. It's a very ordinary black hat of the usual round shape. For a start, 
And, as I've said, much the worse for wear. Lining has been of red silk, but is a good deal discoloured now. There's no maker's name. But, as you pointed out, there are the initials H.B. on one side. I've brought the tea, Mr. Holmes. Oh, what's that awful thing you're holding, Dr. Watson? A hat. Well, it might have been that once, but there's no elastic now, and, and look at it. Filthy it is, and covered in spots. Which someone has tried to hide by smearing ink on them. <laughs> What am I supposed to be seeing, Holmes? Why, you are seeing everything, my good doctor. But you fail to reason from what you see. You are too timid in drawing your inferences. Will I pour then, Mr Holmes? Pray tell me what it is that you can infer from this hat. Well, that it needs a good wash for a start. <laughs> oh dear, I should have brought biscuits. It is perhaps less suggestive than it might have been, and, and yet there are a few inferences which are very distinct, and a few others which represent at least a strong balance of probability. That the man was highly intellectual is, of course, obvious upon the face of it, and also that he was fairly well-to-do within the last three years, although he has now fallen upon hard times. He had foresight but has less now than formerly, pointing to a moral retrogression which, when taken with the decline of his fortunes, seems to indicate some evil influence, uh, probably drink, at work upon him. This may account also for the obvious fact that his wife has ceased to love him. Oh, my dear Holmes, how can you possibly know that? Oh, the poor man, and at Christmas too. Some people do it very hard in life, don't they? Here's your tea, Dr Watson. Now don't let it go cold. Nothing as depressing as cold tea. At least he has managed to retain some degree of self-respect, Mrs Hudson. He is a man who leads a sedentary life, goes out little, is out of training entirely, is middle-aged has grizzled hair which he has had cut within the last few days, and which he anoints with lime cream. These are the more patent facts which are to be deduced from his hat. Also, by the way, it is extremely unlikely that he has gas laid on in his house. Oh, I don't hold with gas. It's not natural. Mr Hudson was always a greater believer in candles. He had boxes of them all over the house. Now I know you're joking, Holmes. Not in the least. Is it possible that even now, when I give you these results, you are unable to see how they are attained? Uh, there is no doubt that I'm very stupid, but I must confess that I'm unable to follow you. For example, how did you deduce that this man was intellectual? It is a question of cubic capacity, old man. Look what happens when I put it on. Oh, look, it comes right over your forehead and settles on your nose, Mr Holmes. My word, the man must have had a big head. And it is reasonable to assume he had something in it. Well, the, the, the decline of his fortunes, then. This hat is three years old. 
these flat brims curled at the edge came in then. It is a hat of the very best quality. Look at the band of ribbed silk and the excellent lining. If this man could afford to buy so expensive a hat three years ago and has had no hats since, then he has assuredly gone down in the world. Yeah. Well, well, that, that's clear enough, certainly. But how about the foresight and, and the moral retrogression? Look at the little disc and loop of the hat securia. They are never sold upon hats. If this man ordered one, it is a sign of a certain amount of foresight, since he went out of his way to take this precaution against the wind. But since we see that he has broken the elastic and has not troubled to replace it, it is obvious that he has less foresight now than formerly, which is a distinct proof of a weakening nature. On the other hand, he has endeavoured to conceal some of these stains upon the felt by daubing them with ink, which is a sign that he has not entirely lost his self-respect. Well, I suppose all of that is plausible. <laughs> And the further points, uh, that he's middle-aged, that his hair is grizzled, that hasn't been recently cut, and that he uses lime cream. Oh, you can smell the lime cream, Dr Watson. Ah. Well done, Mrs Hudson. Yes, it's a distinctive odour. As for the rest, they can all be gathered from a close examination of the lower part of the lining. The lens discloses a large number of hair ends clean cut by the scissors of the barber, and this dust is not the gritty grey dust of the street, but the fluffy brown dust of the house, showing that it has been hung up indoors most of the time, while the marks of moisture upon the inside are proof positive that the wearer perspired very freely, and could therefore hardly be in the best of training. Remarkable! <laughs> Truly remarkable! But what about his wife, Mr Holmes? Yeah, yes, what about that? You said that she'd ceased to love him. <laughs> There's no possible way you could know. Uh, this hat has not been brushed for weeks. When I see you, my dear Watson, with a week's accumulation of dust upon your hat, and when your wife allows you to go out in such a state, I shall fear that you also have been unfortunate enough to lose your wife's affection. Yeah, but he might be a bachelor. A bachelor doesn't need a goose that size. <laughs> and mm. besides, how would a man know how to cook it? He was bringing it home to a wife. Well done again, Mrs Hudson. Remember the card upon the bird's leg for Mrs Henry Baker. Probably a peace offering after another dispute. Yeah, you have an answer to everything. <laughs> How on earth do you deduce that the gas is not laid on in his house? One tallow stain, or even two, might come by chance. But when I see no less than five on his head, there can be little doubt that the individual comes into frequent contact with burning tallow. Walking upstairs at night, probably with his hat in one hand and a guttering candle in the other. Are you satisfied? Well, that's very ingenious. But since, as you said just now, there's been no crime committed and no harm done save the loss of a goose, all this seems to be rather a waste of energy. Oh dear, 
Another one? Who could that be? I suspect answering the door will solve the mystery, Mrs Hudson. And I expect you're right, Mr Holmes. You always are. Oh, except in the obvious things. You've let your tea go cold again. That's very depressing. Commissioner Peterson, you look quite flushed. Is there anything wrong? The goose, Mr Holmes. The goose, sir. Eh? What of it, then? Has it returned to life and flown through your kitchen window? See here, sir. See what my wife found in its crop. By Jove! Is that what I think it is? A diamond, sir. A precious stone. It is more than a precious stone. It is the precious stone. Not the Countess of Morka's missing blue carbuncle. Precisely so, Watson. <gasps> you should have seen the look on Mrs Peterson's face, sir. I mean, she thought it was just some rock that the bird had swallowed. But then she looked at it. I came into the kitchen and she was just standing there, staring. It is quite hypnotic. Hypnotic. That's it, Doctor. She was hypnotised. I doubt it has that power, though I suppose the effect of diamonds on women is well known. However, it is an absolutely unique gem, and there is a thousand-pound reward offered for its return. thousand pound? Great Lord of mercy. Steady, Peterson. <laughs> you look faint. thousand pounds. Oh, sit down, man. It was lost at the Hotel Cosmopolitan, if I remember correctly. Precisely so, just four days ago. I have some account of the matter here in one of my newspapers. Are you sure, Mr Holmes? I mean, a thousand pound is a fortune. Maybe it's a hundred pounds and you misread the amount. Mrs Peterson has done that more than once when she goes shopping. I keep telling her she needs her glasses or she'll send us to the poorhouse. I never misread... Yes, here it is. Um, Hotel Cosmopolitan, Jewel Robbery, John Horner, 26, Plumber, was brought up upon the charge of having abstracted from the jewel case of the Countess of Morker the valuable gem known as the Blue Carbuncle. James Ryder, upper attendant at the hotel, gave his evidence to the effect that he had shown Horner up to the dressing-room of the Countess of Morker upon the day of the robbery, in order that he might solder the second bar of the grate, which was loose. He had remained with Horner some little time, but had finally been called away. On returning, he found that Horner had disappeared, and that the small Morocco casket, in which, as it afterwards transpired, the Countess was accustomed to keep her jewel, was lying empty upon the dressing-table. Ryder instantly gave the alarm, and Horner was arrested the same evening, but the stone could not be found either upon his person or in his rooms. Villain! Catherine Cusack, maid to the Countess, deposed to having heard Ryder's cry of dismay on discovering the robbery, and to having rushed into the room where she found matters as described by the last witness. Inspector Bradstreet, B Division, gave evidence as to the arrest of Horner, who struggled frantically and protested his innocence in the strongest terms. Evidence of a previous conviction for robbery having been given against the prisoner, the magistrate refused to deal summarily with the offence, but referred it to the Assizes. Horner, who had shown signs of intense emotion during the proceedings, 
fainted away at the conclusion and was carried out of court. Mm, seems a rather open and shut case. You think so, Watson? You don't? Well, the question for us to solve is the sequence of events leading from a rifled jewel case at one end to the crop of a goose in Tottenham Court Road at the other. I, I don't like... I don't doubt you, Mr Holmes. I mean, you're a very clever man. But I just can't believe a stone someone dug up is worth a thousand pounds. It is worth a good deal more than that. Very likely a hundred times more. And I happen to know that there are sentimental considerations in its background which would induce the Countess to part with half her fortune if she could recover the gem. Uh, a gift from her late husband? Hmm? And memories of happier times. Hmm. She is, by all accounts, a bitter woman now. A hundred times? There's not that much money in the Bank of England. I mean, why would it be inside a goose if it was worth that, sir? And there you have it. A question to be answered. It seems our little deductions have suddenly assumed a much more important and less innocent aspect, Watson. Here is the stone. The stone came from the goose, and the goose came from Mr Henry Baker, the gentleman with the bad hat. So now we must set ourselves very seriously to finding this gentleman and ascertaining what part he has played in this little mystery. And how will we do that? We will start with the simplest means. An advertisement in all the evening papers. Give me a pencil and that slip of paper. There. Done. What do you think, Watson? Will this do the job? Found at the corner of Goods Street, a goose and a black felt hat. Mr Henry Baker can have the same by applying at 6.30 this evening at 221B Baker Street. <laughs> Clear and concise. But, but will he see it on Christmas Eve? Well, the loss is a heavy one for a poor man, Watson, so he is sure to be keeping an eye on the papers. He was clearly so scared by his breaking the window and by the approach of Peterson that he thought of nothing but flight. But since then, he must have bitterly regretted the impulse which caused him to drop his bird. Yes, and I suppose the inclusion of his name will cause him to see it, for everyone who knows him will direct his attention to it. Yeah, precisely. Here you are, Peterson. Run down to the advertising agency and have this put in the evening papers. What? Oh, yes, yes, of course, sir. Uh, which ones? Oh, uh, in the Globe, Star, Pall Mall, St James's Evening News, Standard, Echo, and any others that occur to you. Very well, sir. And the stone, sir? Ah, yes, I shall keep the stone. Thank you. And I say, Peterson, just buy a goose on your way back and leave it here with me for we must have one to give to this gentleman in place of the one which your family is now devouring. Yes, of course. Enjoying it too, I'm sure. I suspect there'll be little left for me but to pick at the bones. Mr Holmes, that thousand-pound reward, I mean, would I be... us, having found it, like? I'm sure the Countess will be only too happy to reward you once her treasure is safely returned. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I mean... I don't want to sound mercenary, but 
A thousand pound is a fortune to the likes of me. It gives a man and his family a new life, a, a gentleman's life. Good night, sir, uh, and Merry Christmas. <sighs> it's a bonny-looking thing. <laughs> See how it glints and sparkles. Yes, but it's a nucleus and a focus of crime, like every good stone is. They're the devil's pet baits. This stone is not yet twenty years old, but in spite of its youth, it already has a sinister history. There have been two murders, a suicide, and several robberies brought about for the sake of this forty-grain weight of crystallised charcoal. Uh, little wonder the Countess is so bitter. Suicide is a tragic way to lose a husband. <laughs> Who would think that so pretty a toy would be a purveyor to the gallows and the prison. <laughs> Do you think that this man, Horner, is innocent? I cannot tell. Well, then, uh, do you imagine that this other one, Henry Baker, has anything to do with the matter? It is, I think, much more likely that Henry Baker is an absolutely innocent man, who had no idea that the bird he was carrying was of considerably more value than if it were made of solid gold. That, however, I shall determine by a very simple test if we have an answer to our advertisement. And you can do nothing until then? Nothing. In that case, I shall continue my professional round. I'll come back this evening to see the solution of so tangled a business. Very glad to see you. As you know, I dine at seven. There is a woodcock roasting, I believe. By the way, in view of recent occurrences, perhaps I ought to ask Mrs Hudson to examine its crop. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. What? I'm sorry, I'd, I'd like to help, but I'm running quite late. I'm not after money. I just want to know if this is 221B. I'm not familiar with this part of London. Yes, it is. Are you Henry Baker? You know me. I know your name. You're meeting Mr Holmes. I am. Is sir. that you, sir? I am Dr Watson, his associate. But you're in the right place, and I know Holmes will be very pleased to see you. I must say I was mightily surprised to see the advertisement in the newspaper. It being Christmas Eve, I thought the goose would be long gone. It's a very curious matter. Well, nothing will be solved on the doorstep. Come inside. We're already late. Do you know what time it is, Dr Watson? Mr Holmes likes his dinner right on the dot of seven. You know that. Now, who's this with you? It's Mr Baker and he's expected. Is Holmes in his room? He is. 
And he's grumbling. Well, dinner will wait for now. Though maybe you could bring some tea, Mrs Hudson. Follow me, Baker. Dinner will wait, Mrs Hudson. Bring some tea, Mrs Hudson. Doesn't anyone remember it's Christmas? You're half an hour late, Watson. Oh, I see you have brought our guest with you. Uh, yes, sir. Do you mind if I stand a moment by the fire? It's a cold night. Of course. Take this seat. Oh, thank you, Mr Holmes. I do feel the cold. Even with this scotch bonnet and my overcoat buttoned right up to the neck, I still feel it. Now, to the business at hand. Is this your hat, Mr Baker? Yes, sir. That is undoubtedly my hat. We've had these things for several days, expecting to see an advertisement from you giving your address. I'm at a loss to know now why you did not advertise. Shillings have not been so plentiful with me as they once were. I had no doubt that the gang of roughs who assaulted me had carried off both my hat and a bird. I did not care to spend more money in an hopeless attempt at recovering them. Of course. That is understandable. Uh, by the way, about the bird, we were compelled to eat it. Well, I expected as much. A goose don't go to waste at this time of year. Yes, it would have been of no use to anyone had we not done so. But I presume that this replacement on the sideboard will be adequate compensation? Oh, oh certainly, certainly. We still have the feathers, legs, crop and so on, of your own bird. So, if you wish to have... Oh, them, they I... might be useful to me as relics of my adventure, uh, but beyond that, I can hardly see what use the remains of my late acquaintances are going to be to me. Oh, no, sir. I think that, with your permission, I will confine my attentions to the excellent bird which I perceive upon the sideboard. Well, then, there is your hat, and there are your bird. Uh, thank you, sir. Happy Christmas it'll be in my house tomorrow. Good night, Mr. Holmes, and to you, Dr. Watson. Uh, before you go, Mr. Baker, would it bore you to tell me where you got the other one from? I'm somewhat of a foul fancier, and I have seldom seen a better-grown goose. Oh, certainly, sir. There are a few of us who frequent the Alpha Inn near the museum. We are to be found in the museum itself during the day, you understand? But in the evening, well, a man sometimes needs a little something before he goes home. This year, the landlord, Mr Windergate, instituted a goose club, by which, for the contribution of a few pence every week, we would each receive a bird at Christmas. My pences were duly paid, and the rest is familiar to you. Do you know where this Windygate procure these birds? A woman in Covent Garden, Mrs Breckenridge is her name, and short-tempered sort, I'm told. I doubt she'd have any left now. I say good night again. I am much indebted to you for returning my old hat, sir. It may have seen better days, but this Scotch bonnet is fit neither for my years nor my gravity. Merry Christmas to you both. So much for Mr. Henry Baker. It's quite certain that he knows nothing whatever about the matter. Are you hungry, Watson? Yeah, not particularly. 
Though I have it on Mrs. Hudson authority. Any pangs have passed with the knowledge that we have so homely a thing as a goose at one end of this chain, and at the other a man who will certainly get seven years penal servitude unless we can establish his innocence. I suggest that we turn our dinner into a supper and follow up this line of investigation missed by our friends in the police while it is still hot. By all means. Where are you going, Mr Holmes? I was just bringing up some tea. And there's your dinner. It'll be dry. It will have to wait. The game's afoot, Mrs Hudson. The game's afoot. It's, it's a bitter night out. You'll catch your death. Here, take your cravat. Men. Oh, you chase them when they're boys and you're still running after them when they're grown. Oh, well. I think a little glass or two of punch is in order, Mr Hudson. <laughs> after all, it is Christmas. There's our quarry, Watson. How do you know, Holmes? No great feat of deduction. She's the only woman selling poultry for a start. You wait here, old man. Good evening. It's a cold night. I expect it is for those who have had the time to wander around the streets. There's no time to feel the chill if you work in a stall on Christmas Eve. Sold out of geese, I see. <laughs> Let you have 500 on Boxing Day. It doesn't help me at all. Well, some might have been here this morning instead of enjoying their toast in bed. There might be some on the stall with a gas flare. Ah, uh, but I was recommended to you. By who? The landlord of the Alpha. Oh, him. I sent him a couple of dozen a few days back and he passed them on to his customers for a tidy profit. Fine birds they were. Where did you get them from? Now, listen here. What are you driving at? Are you suggesting something? I should just like to know who sold you the geese which you supplied to the Alpha. You would, would you? Well, I shan't tell you, so that's an end to it. Uh, surely it's a matter of no importance. I don't know why you should be so warm over such a trifle. Warm? You'd be as warm if you were as pestered as I am. When a customer pays a fair price for a good article, that should be an end of the business. But it's... Where's the geese? And who did you sell the geese to? And what will you take for the geese? One would think they were the only geese in the world to hear the fuss that is made over them. Well, I have no connection with any other people who have been making inquiries. If you won't tell me, so be it. But I'm always ready to back my opinion on a matter of fowls. And I have a fiver on it that the bird I ate is country bread. Well then... You lose your fiver for its town bread. It's nothing of the kind. Oh, I say it is. I don't believe it. Do you think you know more about fowls than me, who's been handling them since I was a girl? I'll tell you, all those birds that went to the Alpha were town bread. You'll never persuade me to believe that. Will you bet, then? I'm not too much of a lady to take your money. Well, I, I am too much of a gentleman to take yours. But I'll have a sovereign on it with you. Just to teach you not to be obstinate. Well, here's the book, then. You can see for yourself. That's the list of folk from whom I buy. Do you see? Here, on this page, are the country folk. 
and the numbers after their names are where their accounts are in the big ledger. Now then, you see this other page in red ink? Well, that is a list of my town suppliers. Look at that third name. Just read it to me. Uh, Mrs Oakshot, 117 Brixton Road. Egg and Poultry Supplier, December the 22nd. 24 geese at seven and sixpence. And underneath? Sold to Mr Windigate of the Alpha at 12 shillings. <laughs> what have you to say now, Mr Coxshaw? That I owe you a sovereign. I dare say if I'd put a hundred pounds down in front of her, she would not have given me such complete information as was drawn by the idea that she was beating me in a wager. She's a woman who clearly sees the likes of us as toffs who look down on her. Well, she's a rough-looking sort. I think you are proving her point, Watson. Well, I fancy we are nearing the end of our quest, old man. And the only point which remains to be determined is whether we should go on to this Mrs Oakshot tonight or whether we should reserve it for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Christmas, Holmes. It is? Oh, yes. I had totally forgotten. A visit would be inappropriate then? Totally. Uh, pity. It is clear from Mrs Breckenridge's surly demeanour that there are others besides ourselves who are anxious about the matter and that... I've had enough of you and your geese. If you come pestering me any more with your silly talk, I'll set that dog at you. You bring Mrs Oakshot here and I'll answer her. But what have you to do with it? Did I buy the geese off you? No, but one of them was mine all the same. Well then, ask Mrs Oakshot for it. She told me to ask you. Well, you can ask the King of Prussia for all I care. I've had enough of it. I've had enough Christmas as well. The season of goodwill. Ha! The season for driving a poor, hard-working woman mad. Now get out of here! Uh, this may save us a visit to Brixton Road, Watson. Uh, come with me and we'll see what is to be made of this fellow. Mm. Uh, hold up, my good man. Who are you? Why are you following me? I warn you, I'm not some easy target. Yeah, the trick of the man. Do we look like some common street villains? Well, how am I to know? You might have dressed up for the season, or you might have stole those clothes of two gentlemen who are currently shivering in some alley. Well, I never... Uh, please excuse us, but I could not help overhearing your conversation with Mrs Breckenridge just now. I think I could be assistance to you. You? Who are you? How could you know anything of the matter? My name is Sherlock Holmes. It is my business to know what other people don't know. But you can know nothing of this. I know everything of it. You are endeavouring to trace some geese which were sold by Mrs Oakshot of Brixton Road to a Mrs Breckenridge, by her in turn to Mr Windigate of the Alpha, and by him to his club, of which Mr Henry Baker is a member. Ah, oh, sir, you are the very man I've longed to meet. I can hardly explain to you how important this matter is to me. In that case, we had better discuss it in a cosy room rather than in this windswept marketplace. Before we go farther, perhaps you could tell me who I have the pleasure of assisting. My name is John Robinson. No, no, the real name. It's always awkward doing business with an alias. My name is James Ryder. Head attendant at the Hotel Cosmopolitan? Precisely so, Watson. And as soon as we're back in the warmth of Baker Street, 
I'll be able to tell you everything which you could wish to know, Mr. Ryder. Another stranger! Doesn't anyone stay at home on Christmas anymore? I expect you'll want tea. That would be most kind of you. And biscuits? Yeah, perhaps some bread and jam. We haven't had any dinner. Well, and whose fault is that then? Running off into the night? Uh, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Tea it is then. And you watch. I'll bring it in piping hot and it'll go cold before anyone touches it. You look cold, Mr. Ryder. Pray take the basket chair by the fire. Uh, now then, you want to know what became of those geese? Yes, sir. Or rather, I fancy, of that goose. It was one bird, I imagine, in which you were interested. White with a black bar across its tail. Can you tell me where it is? It came here. And a most remarkable bird it proved to be. I don't wonder that you should take an interest in it. It laid an egg after it was dead. The bonniest, brightest little blue egg that ever was seen. I have it here in my museum, as you can see. What's that you say? The game's up, Ryder. What? No, I'm never... Just steady on there, or you'll fall into the fire. Give him an arm back into his chair, Watson. That's it. Now, give him a dash of brandy. There. <laughs> that seemed to have worked. He looks a little more human. <laughs> then I'd have a drop myself. Now, Ryder, I have almost every link in my hands and all the proofs which I could possibly need. So there's little which you need tell me. Still, that little may as well be cleared up to make the case complete. You had heard of this blue stone of the Countess of Morcus? It was Catherine Cusack who told me about it. Her ladyship's waiting maid, in a passing conversation. We'd become acquainted over the years, since the Countess has become a frequent guest of the Cosmopolitan. She treats it like a second home. And the temptation of sudden wealth so easily acquired was too much for you. Villain. Scoundrel. I might have a drop more, if you don't mind, Holmes. It's quite a fine brandy of a cold night. And you were not very scrupulous in the means you used. You knew that this man, Horner, the plumber, had been concerned in some such matter before, and that suspicion would rest the more readily upon him. What did you do then? I reported a small job in her ladyship's room. You and your confederate Cusack? She knew nothing about it. Her only sin was to mention the cursed thing to me. Miss Cusack is a, a decent girl and a fine maid. Far better than her ladyship deserves. The way she speaks to Catherine... Yes, all right. We'll come back to that. So you arranged that it was Horner who would be called to fix the problem. Then, when he had left, you rifled the jewel case, raised the alarm and had this unfortunate man arrested. Scoundrel! And at Christmas too. Oh, for God's sake, have mercy, Mr Holmes. Think of my father and my mother. It will break their hearts. I never went wrong before. I never will again. I swear it. I swear it on the Bible. Oh, don't bring it into court, for Christ's sake, don't. Get back in your chair, man. This is very well to cringe and crawl now, 
But you thought little enough of this poor Horner in the dock for a crime which he knew nothing. I, I never intended to stay, sir. Once I'd cashed in, I was going to fly, sir. I was going to leave the country, maybe go to Australia. Um, you see, uh, then the charge against him would break down. <laughs> Australia? Well, you mean good company there. Populated by the criminal class. Let's hear about the next day. How did the stone end up in the goose? And how did the goose come to the open market? And mind, tell me the truth. I will tell you it just as it happened, sir. Villain. Scoundrel. When Horner had been arrested, it seemed to me that it would be best for me to get away with the stone at once, as I did not know when the police might take it into their heads to search me in my room. There was no place about the hotel where it would be safe, so I went out, as if I was on some commission, and I made for my sister's house. Who is married to a man named Oakshot and lives in Brixton Road, where she fattens fowls for market. Yes, sir, that's right. All the way there, every man I passed seemed to me to be a policeman, and by the time I arrived at Brixton Road, the sweat was pouring down my face. My sister asked me what was the matter, and I told her I was upset about the jewel robbery at the hotel. Then I went into the backyard and smoked a pipe and wondered what to do next. You mean how you would fence the stone? Oh, that was already decided, Mr Holmes. You see, I had a boyhood friend called Maudsley who went bad and he told me once about the way of thieves and how they could get rid of what they stole. So I'd already made an arrangement with him, if you know what I mean. But what troubled me was how to get the stone to him safely. I kept thinking of the agonies that I'd gone through coming from the hotel and if I went any further my luck would run out and I'd be seized and searched and there it would be in my waistcoat pocket. That's what was on my mind when I saw this goose. A young one. Too skinny for this year's market, waddling across the yard. And suddenly an idea came into my head. You see, my sister had promised me the pick of her geese as a Christmas present, and I knew that she was always as good as her word. So I decided I would take my goose now, and I'd carry the stone in it across London to Maudsley's house. I must say that's a clever idea. <laughs> I would think to look inside a goose for a diamond. There was a little shed in the yard where my sister hung the birds after they got the chop. I went in and picked one, a fine big one, white with a barred tail, and then I hid the stone in it. Do you want to know how I got it in there? No, no need for details. The route you used is obvious. Yeah, suppose it is. Anyway, just as I finished, out came my sister. Whatever are you doing, says she. Well, said I, you said you'd give me one for Christmas and I was feeling which was the fattest. Oh, says she, we've set one aside for you already. It's that big white one hanging on the end. Thank you, Maggie, says I, but if it's all the same to you, I'd rather have this one here. The other one is a good three pound heavier, said she. That's very kind, but I prefer this one all the same, said I. Oh, you do as you like. You always do. <laughs> well, I grabbed the bird and rushed across the city to Maudsley's house. But when we cut it open... There was no sign of the stone. In your haste to complete your crime, you picked up the wrong bird. Yes, sir. It was dark in the shed and I was so panicked I hadn't noticed there were two geese with barred tails hanging side by side. Well, I ran back to my sister's and... But the birds were all gone. Sent to Covent Garden and by the time you arrived to claim your prize, Mrs Breckenridge had sold the lot. And not one word would she tell me about where they'd gone. You heard her yourselves tonight. She threatened to set the dog on me. Oh, what have I done? 
branded myself a thief without ever having touched the wealth for which I sold my soul. God help me. Oh, God help me. Rather pathetic chap, isn't he? Uh, would another brandy help? Get out. What? What? I said, get out. You mean I could... Heaven bless you, sir. My all the angels... No more words. Just go before I change my mind. <sighs> well, I have to say, that's somewhat of a surprise. You're not generally so generous with the criminal class, Holmes. I'm not responsible for addressing the deficiencies of the police. They arrested the wrong man because they failed to follow the clues in front of them. Besides, Horner is in no danger now. With Ryder not appearing against him, the case will collapse. But surely you're committing a felony by not reporting it. I expect you're right, but it is just possible that I'm saving a soul. Ryder will not go wrong again. He's too frightened. But send him to jail now and you'll make him a criminal for life. Still, he committed a horrendous crime and framed another for the deed. Hardly the act of a man who deserves much leniency. I'm sure you'll agree this is the season for forgiveness, old friend. And I think that is the least we can do for a foolish young man governed more by the heart than the head. You, you mean... Yes, he... there was another accomplice. Catherine Cusack. The maid? But Ryder said she had nothing to do with it. He was protecting her. The crime could not have been committed without her assistance. After all, a maid knows where the key to the jewellery box is hidden. So it was love, not greed, that motivated our villain. What else would turn an honest man into a thief, Watson? I mean, he could have stolen any number of treasures over the years, but it wasn't until he fell for the fair Miss Cusack that he shook off the moral bonds that had kept him on the straight and narrow. Well, I never. Well, I suppose I should be grateful that Mrs Watson was happy with so little. Yet what do you think will happen to them now? I mean, they have no money, and Ryder must leave the country, or you'll be compelled to tell the police what you know to save Horner from a jail cell. I know you think I am only driven by logic, old man. But at this time of the year, even I want a happy ending. I suspect they will run off and make a life together, perhaps in Australia. Despite its rough and ready exterior, I'm told it's a land of opportunity. I saw your guest out, Mr Holmes. Oh, excitable fellow, isn't he? But I suppose they all are at that age. Anyway, I've brought up your supper. And a fresh pot. It's very kind of you, Mrs Hudson. Well, I'll wish you both a good night, then. Uh, Mrs Hudson, uh, would you care to join us? Join you? Yes, for supper. There's plenty here to share, and after all, isn't Christmas a time to be spent with family and friends? <laughs> it is, Holmes. It is. Yes, yes. please join us, Mrs Hudson. Well, I... I mean, uh, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course I will. And, Mrs Hudson, is there any of your grandmother's wonderful gin punch left? <laughs> <laughs>